0: I'm Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors, as Bill mentioned earlier, and we're in this series that we're doing from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and so if you want to find that in your Bibles, your Bible app, whatever it might be, we're talking about um, this passage in Deuteronomy 6 that's called the Shema. Let's pray together, and then we'll take a look. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, and you have demonstrated that in so many ways practical ways, in uh, eternal ways. Father, you keep showing us, you keep loving us, you keep uh, providing for us, moving on our behalf. Thank you so much. God, today we want to love you. We want to we figure out how to love you back. We want to ask your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, to move in us so that our love for you is real, it's complete, it's, it's solid. And to help us to grow in that today As you calling us, Father, to this relationship with you. And so we pray that you'll speak to us powerfully uh, through your word. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So what I want to do is begin, I want to ask you a question. When you think of the word love, what pops in your mind first? What's the very first thing you think? When you think of the word love, maybe it's a hobby that you have, like the way the weather has been this whole last week up till today um, with these beautiful sunny fall days the very first thing I think of is like, man, I, I just got to get out and ride my bike. So I love to ride my bike. And um, that's for me, love, that's a love. That's the way I use that word. Maybe it's a favorite food for you that you love that food. Man, I just love me some peanut M&Ms. Okay, so... Or maybe it, you think about a sports team, or a sport that you love, or maybe a video game that you just love, and you love the the story and the world scene that's been created in that game. Or, or maybe it's a warm, fuzzy feeling of romance that you feel like after that first date, and you're going, "Wow, you know." And, or maybe it's how you feel about your children. Or if you're like my daughter who has dogs, maybe it's how you feel about your pets. I love my kids. I, I. Don't love my grand dogs in quite the same way, but she does, you know. So the word love has so many different connotations in the English language. It's such a broad word that we use it to talk about a passion that we might have for a person or for a thing. It's the word that expresses all of our emotions of tenderness and, and affection and devotion in our culture. It, it, sometimes we look at it as an emotion that can be turned on or turned off or manipulated by different circumstances or different people in our lives. The English word is so broad that it touches so many of our basic experiences in life But what I want to do today is look at what this word means in the Hebrew language that the Old Testament was written in. And we'll see there's some parallels to our common language today. There's some things that might be a little bit different as well. Um, The word in Hebrew is the word ahava. And it's more than just a feeling or emotion, although that's part of it. But it's also deeply connected with action. So at the heart of this word is the core root of the word is the word to give. And so literally it means to give oneself in some way to somebody else. And so this kind of love, you can see that's more than just a feeling or an emotion. Love is not just something that you feel, but it's something that you give, something that you do. And so if you have your Bibles open or your Bible app open to Deuteronomy chapter 6... In recent weeks, we've been studying this powerful, formative Jewish prayer called the Shema. It's a prayer that has been faithfully recited by thousands of Jewish believers every morning, every evening for hundreds, even for thousands of years. It's part of the pattern of their cultural life together. It's a prayer that declares your devotion to God. And it it kind of starts with who God is and His character and His nature. And then it tells us how we respond to God and how we maintain an intimate relationship with this eternal being that we worship. And so each week what we've been doing in this series is that we're highlighting a specific word in the prayer. Today's the third out of six words that we're looking at. We're looking at the word love, or in Hebrew again, ahava. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. So these are the words that we're looking at. We first looked at the word listen. What does it mean that God listens to us and that we listen to God? Then we looked at the word the Lord, the Lord our God. What kind of a being is he? And today we're looking at the first part of our response. He says, based on who he is, we want to love the Lord our God. We're called to love him. So I want to unpack a little bit of the depth and the richness of what that word means today. So the first thing, as we explore this, we're going to see that it means how God loves us, that it means how we love God in return, and also, as a corollary to that, how we love people around us as well. And so, to begin with, as we think about God's love for us, I want you to understand that God is love and that He created us in His image so that we can love. Last week we looked at, at the nature of God, the, the one and only true God, this God who is eternal, who is supreme, and as we dig in deeper on His nature and on His character, we, it's not very far that you go in the Bible before you discover this, that God is love. This is the essential quality of His character that's defined. God is love. What does that mean? We're going to see, but throughout the Bible, then if this is His basic character, then the Bible's going to show us over and over again what genuine love looks like when we look at what God looks like. Now, we're going to see it explained, we're going to hear it, you know, in the words of the Bible, but more importantly, we're also going to see His love on display in how He's acted for His people, in His covenant relationship with us, in His constant protection and guidance of His people, in how God did mighty works of power on their behalf. We see it in God's forgiveness of His people and His long-suffering patience with us. But God always demonstrates in His actions that His essential nature is love. Now, that's important because it helps us understand something that's really fundamental in this, and that is that that God did not love the Israelites because they earned it. He didn't love them because they were so worthy of it or because they had done so many things to, to just win His affection for them. He did love them. He had affection for them, but He loved them. His love originated from who He is, not from who they are, right? That's so important because sometimes we approach God, and we think, am I worthy of God's love? Have I done enough? Am I good enough for God's love? Well, no, God's love doesn't originate in you. It originates in Himself, and it originates not in who He is, but who He always has been. And so God's love never changes. It's eternal because this is who he's always been. So we see this in Jeremiah chapter 31. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. An everlasting love, an unfailing love. So God's love is shown through His affection for His people, and it's affection that never, ever wavers. It never, ever fails. You know, I have to admit, I look at myself, I think about people that I love, and sometimes my affection for my kids wavers. Now, I like to think my love for them, that doesn't change, but my affection for them sometimes does, depending on, like, how boneheaded they're being, right, or or what they're doing in their life. I have friends that, I love my friends, but there's certain times that my affection for them can change if our, our paths like just drift apart or they've done something that I feel like was some kind of a betrayal or something like that. But, but that's the difference in God's love and His affection for us is it's unfailing, it's never changing, it doesn't waver, it doesn't go up and down based on what you did or what you didn't do. But there's more to that because we said that that this word love, this ahava, also means to give. So God's ahava is also an action. God eternally gives of Himself to others, not just a sentiment, but central to His whole activity. So look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. It says, because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants, and he personally brought you out of Egypt with, great, with a great display of power. So why did he rescue the Is- Israelite ancestors from slavery in Egypt? Why? That was an expression of his love for them. Why does he bless those who follow? It's because it's an expression of his love for us. And so for all of this, I hope you realize Number one thing here today is that God is a loving God, that He loves you, that He feels love for you, He feels kindness, affection, warmth for you, even passion for you, but He also gives love to us through His actions on our behalf. Okay, God is a loving God. This is how He expresses His love to us. But there's something else that kind of goes on the heels of this, kind of pivot slightly to, some, to an implication of this, because the fact that God loves us, it reveals to us that we also can love as well, that we can love Him back, we can love each other. Because here's the thing, when God made everything, God created some pretty amazing things. You look around and experience the world that God made, wow. But you know what? The human beings are His most treasured masterpiece. We are unique in all of God's creation because Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, God created human beings in His image. Male and female created in His image means that we reflect, unlike any other thing that God made, we reflect in a special way the nature of God, what God is like. doesn't mean we'll ever be God, but we are a mirror of some of God's attributes in the created world that He made. And so what that means is because we're made in God's image, then if God is love, then we can love in a way that reflects His love. See, we're not robots. We don't, we don't have this, you know, in, in a, incapacity. We're not mechanical. Every human being, even the most emotionally crippled human being, I believe, is capable of love at some level. Now, it may be stunted, it may be twisted, but it's capable of love. Even Stalin loved his own daughter. Now, I just think about myself, you know, I've never been accused of being too emotive. I grew up in a, from a culture, a cultural background that is not demonstrative emotionally. And, so, and I also grew up in a family that was pretty emotionally stunted, pretty stuffed, buttoned up emotionally. And so, you know, as growing up, I never received much affection. I never had many affirmations of love as a kid, right? So this is the, this is the, uh, the cards I was dealt in my life. But even I have grown in my ability to show affection to people. To show, It took me a long time to, to be, feel comfortable giving and receiving a hug. I know, right, like right now, that's kind of a weird thing, right? But... It took me a long time to be able to feel comfortable about just saying out loud to somebody, I love you. Someday I'll tell you the story of how God did that in me. But the point is that I've grown in my ability. Why? Because I'm made in the image of God. And in His image, we all have the capacity to love. And God's going to take that and He can make us love better and more as He works in our lives. So let me put it to you like this. We're called to love God because He is the one true God, but we're able to love God because God made us in His image to reflect Him. And that means we're also able to love others as well. So remember, this is where, where it starts. God is love, and He created us in His image so we could love as well. But remember, this is not just the emotional side as well. Let's let's define it a little bit more fully. I know that in our culture, the emotional aspect is so huge that we want to make sure that we understand that while that is important, there is also another part of knowing God. It's not just what you feel in your relationship with Him, but our love for God is, is also demonstrated in action. You probably remember this saying. You probably heard your parents tell this, this to you or somebody, right? They say, um, actions speak louder than words, right? The Bible, that's not a verse in the Bible, right? But it's a principle in the Bible that's supported by that. And I'll see, you'll see what I mean in a minute. Actions speak louder than words, and we know from our experience how true that is, right? So telling somebody that you love them is sweet. You may feel it very deeply, but... It doesn't mean anything if it's just words. Whether you love somebody or not in reality is really proved by your behavior toward them, isn't it? We understand that, right? And so the love that we learn f- about in the Bible is so much deeper and so much more profound than the idea of love that we see in the movies, in watching The Bachelorette or whatever it might be. That, those just do a disservice to the idea of love. So my wife knows that I love her because of how I treat her. Now, I say it too. That's important too. That's, that's an action on my part. I say it to her as well. But I also do, try to demonstrate it by, by helping in the kitchen. Now, she's not here right now, so I can tell you whatever I want, right? So... And you have to ask her later if I really do that. But I'm trying to learn. When I was single, you know, I didn't really care that much about cleaning up the kitchen. But I love my wife, and it matters to her. So I'm trying to learn to do that, to demonstrate by action my love for you, for her. I try to demonstrate it by, by taking care of the bills and the finances. I try to demonstrate it by inviting her son to come live in our basement for the last year and a half and counting, right? So... I try to demonstrate it because I'm willing to watch Dancing with the Stars with her. And to me, that's like, what what greater expression of love could there possibly be from a husband than that, right? And I know she loves me in the same way because she's willing to watch sports and action movies with me, and and she is willing to go on a bike ride with me, and she makes stuff that I like to eat, and she does the laundry, and, and she treats my kids like they're her kids, you know? So, listen, young young people, young men, young women, that boyfriend, that girlfriend may say they love you and they may make you feel wonderful emotionally, but how do they treat you? And how have they proven it over time? Because love is more than a feeling. It's demonstrated in action, and that's the love that we have toward God as well. So, I'm not trying to say that it's just action, that there's no place for feeling. In this word ahava, there is an emotional component to that, that God's ahava for us is both His affection and His action toward us, and the same thing is true of our love for God. So yeah, when we read the Shema, it's calling us to love the Lord our God with our affection, to set our heart on Him, to be passionate toward Him, to have warm feelings toward Him that our hearts are open toward Him. And you know what, that's why I love to come to worship. And, and when, we're, when we're together and we're singing these songs of praise and worship to God, that, that helps that happen in my heart. And it expresses it from my heart to Him as well. But that's only part of it. I've seen many Christians over the years who come and have this great emotional experience in worship, and then they go out of here and on Monday they just live however they want to live without regard to what God wants. That's the other side of it. When you read the Shema, it's calling us to put our love for God into action as well by serving Him, by obeying Him. So Deuteronomy chapter 10, just a few chapters after the Shema, he's driving this home to them one more time. He says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God. You live in a way that pleases Him. You love Him and serve Him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So God's calling them to show their love, to show their devotion for Him through their action. Now for most Jewish people, the Shema is this personal prayer that shows their dedication, their devotion to God. It's a sign of this intimate, committed relationship with their Creator But God's people are also called to imitate His love by showing it to other people as well. That's always in the backdrop. When it says, love the Lord your God, this other part, this relational, this horizontal part of love is always in the backdrop in the Bible. It's always not very far away. And we already saw that because we're made in God's image, we have the capacity to love vertically, but to love horizontally as well. And Jesus made that very clear in His discussion with the Jewish leaders. These were the elite of Judaism. These are the ones who would never, ever have skipped reciting the Shema in the morning, in the evening, every day of their whole lives. They were so dedicated to that. Jesus knew they understood this. And so he talked to them in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, somebody asked, hey, what's the most important commandment of all of them? And Jesus responded first by quoting the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But he didn't stop there. He says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is telling these guys who are, Really dedicated to God, they were like the cream of the crop in their culture. And he says, "Yeah, you should love God with everything you've got." But then he added something very important. He says, "You should also love your neighbor as yourself." Because I don't know, they weren't very good at loving other people. And often I've seen that over the years is some people who are super religiously zealous, love God a ton. They're not always good with people. Right? So Jesus is saying this second thing is really important to, as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. It, it kind of goes on the heels of the first. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. If you think about it, we, we love ourselves a lot. If you look at the expression of that in our life, we're always making sure that what we want or need is taken care of pretty much, Right? Uh, Most of the time, that's our default setting in our lives. We invest a lot in ourselves. We pay pretty close attention to our own wants and needs. I mean, even people who you look at them and say, man, they they don't really like themselves very much. Or they're people who have this kind of self-hatred. They're still acting for their own best interests a lot, making sure they have what they want or need. It's just not very healthy how they do it. So Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, love your neighbor with all the same attention and care that you pay to yourself. And in fact, the Bible says, you can say that you love God, but if you don't love other people, that claim is just empty. First John chapter 4, I'm not going to put it up there, I'm just going to read it for you. I'll paraphrase it for you. First John 4 verse 20 says, if somebody says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. He says, here's why, because if we, if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God who's, who's invisible? So he says these two things are completely interconnected with each other. You can't separate them, loving God, loving others. If you don't love other people, he says, that's pretty much evidence that you don't really love God either. So how do we love God? Well, we're going to see how that works out. In the next weeks as we finish this small, we're going to see what it means to love Him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole strength. So stay tuned. We see today, above everything else, that we love God by living our lives in a way that's pleasing to Him. And by the way, you find out what pleases God by reading His commands and His priorities and His Word in the Bible. And then we see that part of that is we love other people. We tell people about Jesus. We mentor our family and friends. We demonstrate love in practical action when people have real needs. He said that demonstrates our love for God. And so here's the underlying truth of this. Based on this word ahava, if we say we love God but we don't follow him, if we don't do anything about it, then we don't really love him. It doesn't matter what you say. If you say you love God but you don't obey him, if you don't care about what God cares about, then any claim that you make about loving God is, is empty, no matter how you feel, no matter what you say, because biblically actions speak louder than words. That's how our, our love for God takes shape. So, so here's this word Ahava, it's got these two components. One is affection, one is action. That's how God loves us. That's how we love in, Him in return. That's how we love other people too. Affection and action together. And, and when I think about that, it makes me think of the most significant action that God took on our behalf to demonstrate His love for us, that God showed that He loves us in the very most costly way. So His love for us isn't just a feeling of warmth or affection toward us. It's not just a statement of some words that we find in the Bible. But God put His love for you and I into action. The Bible says that in a lot of different places, but one of them, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved in so deep a fashion That what he did, he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. Now here's the backdrop of that in the biblical story. In the beginning, God created us for relationship with him. He created us to experience his perfect love and then to love him in return. But we chose to turn away from Him, to disobey Him. And through our very first parents, sin entered into the world. And that sin separates us from God. Romans chapter 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And so there's this chasm between us and God, and it's a chasm of our making. And if God is righteous and holy, then He has every right to bring judgment on those who disobey Him and disregard His law. And disrespect his character. And in fact, he would not be righteous if he failed to bring judgment. And that judgment, unfortunately, the Bible tells us, is death. Romans chapter six says, "The wages of sin is death." But here, here God loves us so much. Here's how much God loves us, even though we're in rebellion against him as a human race, even then though we've gone our own way and, and rejected God as a, as a people. God took action so that we could be reconciled to Him. God took the initiative so that we could come back to Him again, and He did that by exchanging our death for the death of His Son. Romans 5, verse 8, God shows His love. That's our whole point today, right? God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus proved His love by His action. And the greatest action was he was willing to go to his death for us. For a bunch of sinners, for a bunch of people who were his enemies, even. That's Ahava. That's love. That's God's love. Now Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. So if you think about that, he had human emotions. Before he died, and as he went to the cross the night before and the day of, the Bible reveals how much Jesus struggled with this decision. It was difficult. He was gripped with fear and anxiety. And he prayed to God, God, if there's some other way, please let me out. Listen, what if at the last minute Jesus had thought, you know, I'm not loving this? This is hard. This is painful. I hate what I'm going through. I hate what I'm feeling right now. I don't feel like doing this. What if Jesus had based his decision on his feelings alone? Well, there'd be no redemption for any of us. None of us would be forgiven of our sins. Every single one of us would be hopelessly doomed to hell because then Jesus would never have gone through with the cross. But see, he was more interested in doing the Father's will. He was more interested in showing his love for his Father by obeying his will than he was just following his feelings. And so that shows us that love is what a person chooses to do. It's not just what a person feels. That's how God acted toward us. That's how we act toward others if we truly love them. And that's how we express our love for God as well. So what I'm saying is that God loves us first so we can love Him back. God made us in His image as the God who is love. He made us to reflect that character about Him so that we can love other people as well. Now, we'll never love them with the infinite, perfect, unfailing, eternal love that God has for us, but we're capable of loving them as well in some way that reflects this perfect love of God. Understanding, of course, that love is proven by what we do, not just what we feel. What we do for God, what we do for people around us. And again, the greatest example, we can't escape this in the Bible, the greatest example is what Jesus has done for us when He took our sin upon Himself on the cross and died there so that we could be right with God. In light of that today, I I want to invite you to receive His love for yourself. He loves you. He proved it. Would you receive that? As you place your trust in Jesus and what He did for you, and as you entrust your life and your eternity to Him, then you'll be forgiven, then you'll be made right with God in a new life that begins now and lasts for eternity. And I want to encourage every one of us that this is the kind of love that God wants to create in us, that He wants to cultivate and perfect in our lives. A love for Him that reflects both our affection and our action. Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much for Your goodness to us. Thank You that, for Your love. Uh, man, Father, we have this is so profound to think about the depth, the perfection of Your love for us. Everlasting love. Love that's unfailing. Even when we fail, your love doesn't fail. Even when we're up and down, your love is not up and down. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I hope that as your Holy Spirit works in us, every single one of us will walk out of here today knowing that we are loved. That I am someone loved by the infinite perfect love of God. And Father, I pray you'll work in us to take that seed, that capacity for love that you planted in every single one of us and draw it out, purify it, enrich it. Give us your strength, God, your power within us to reflect that self-giving, sacrificial love that we learned from you not just for people around us. That's good, Father. We want to have that love for you. We need, God, I recognize in my life there's so many things that, there's so many things I put above you that I love more than you, that I have a passion for, that I have an affection for, that, I, that I'll act on more than you, God. And so I need you to come and work in me today to fulfill this calling to love the Lord our God. Do that in us, we pray in Jesus' name, for his honor and glory. Amen.